0: It's Saturday, July the 4th, and this is your Morning Briefing from The Economist. Coming up, France's new Prime Minister and the end of England's travel quarantine. First, the week in brief. President Emmanuel Macron named Jean Castex, a career civil servant who was in charge of France's exit from coronavirus lockdown, as the country's new prime minister. He will replace Edouard Philippe, who quit on Friday. Mr Macron has embarked upon a government shuffle after his party La République En Marche performed dismally in local elections last weekend, failing to win a single big French city. Many fell to the Greens. Health officials urged Americans to scale back their 4th of July celebrations. In the past two weeks, there has been a 90% increase in new cases of COVID-19 in America. Yesterday, the country hit yet another daily record for new infections, 55,000. Donald Trump, however, will attend a fireworks display at Mount Rushmore in South Dakota, where masks will be available but not required for the 7,500 expected attendees. President Jair Bolsonaro blocked laws requiring Brazilians to wear face masks in shops, schools and churches, although they will have to do so elsewhere in public. Despite the country having the world's second-highest recorded death toll from COVID-19, Mr. Bolsonaro downplays the severity of Brazil's epidemic. He rarely wears a mask, despite a now-overturned court order demanding he do so. Business activity in the Eurozone recovered last month as countries eased COVID-19 lockdown measures. IHS Markets' Composite Purchasing Managers Index, a gauge of the economy, rose from 31.9 in May to 48.5 in June. The measure is at its highest level in four months, although anything below 50 still indicates a contraction. The British government won an auction for OneWeb, a bankrupt satellite operator, as part of a consortium including Bharti Enterprises, an Indian conglomerate. Britain will invest $500 million in the company, which has 74 satellites in orbit. The deal will give the government an alternative to the EU's Galileo satellite navigation system, which Britain will lose access to after Brexit. England announced it will scrap its quarantine rules for travellers from over 50 countries, including Italy and Spain. The restrictions, which required anyone arriving from abroad to isolate for two weeks, were introduced in early June, after many other countries had lifted theirs. The rules will change on July 10th, but remain in place for visitors from countries still struggling to control COVID-19, including America. Rodrigo Duterte, the president of the Philippines, signed a widely criticised anti-terrorism bill into law. The legislation expands the definition of terrorism and permits longer detention of suspects without the need for a warrant. Human rights groups worry that Mr Duterte will use the legislation to intimidate political opponents and limit freedom of speech. And editor's note... Independence Day 1, Americans' Poor Fourth, which ran on July 3rd, incorrectly said that 23% of Americans were satisfied during the depths of the financial crisis. In fact, 22% felt this way. The piece also stated the presidential election is five months away, when it is now four. Sorry. And now, here's today's agenda. Anti-gay purges. Welcome to Chechnya. In January 2019, police officers arrested a young man and detained him for a week at the Grozny Internal Affairs Department in the Chechen Republic. They shaved his hair, beat him and tortured him with electric shocks. When he was released, the officers insinuated to his father that he might kill his son for staining the family's honour. The alleged crime, of which the man was guilty, was being gay. In Chechnya, anti-gay purges, in which men and women who are presumed to be gay or bisexual are imprisoned, assaulted or forcibly disappeared, have been taking place since at least 2017. A new documentary by David France, an investigative reporter and Oscar-nominated filmmaker, chronicles such atrocities. Using visual effects technology and face replacement techniques to grant the subjects full anonymity, the film follows a group of LGBTQ plus activists working to rescue victims, provide them with shelter and, if necessary, help them to flee the Russian Republic. Twin Dynasties, The Histories of Shanghai and Hong Kong Two new books, The Last Kings of Shanghai by Jonathan Kaufman and Champion's Day, The End of Old Shanghai by James Carter chronicle the rise, fall and rise of East Asia's most remarkable cities. As Mr Kaufman ably recounts, the histories of Shanghai and Hong Kong cannot be told except by way of two clans of Baghdadi Jews. The Sassoons were founding members of the Hong Kong and Shanghai Bank. Victor Sassoon opened the Cathay Hotel in 1929. Its parties were legendary. Eli Kaduri started under the Sassoons, but broke loose to start his own operations, eventually establishing an empire of glitzy properties, hotels and power plants. With the eye of an unusually perceptive flaneur, Mr Carter tells the story of Shanghai through its former racecourse, around which society revolved. Both books cover the geopolitical strife both cities would eventually face and are cautionary tales about what happens, in Mr Carter's words, when the powerful exploit their environment, inviting war and revolution. Bidding battle. African art. On Monday, two sacred Nigerian statues were sold for $238,000 at Christie's Auction House in Paris. The pair of intricately carved wooden sculptures is believed to have come from communal shrines of the Igbo people, an ethnic group that spans Nigeria, Cameroon and Equatorial Guinea. Critics of the sale claimed the pieces were looted during the Biafra War in the 1960s and called for the auction to be halted. But Christie's pressed on. Babatunde Adebiyi, a legal advisor for Nigeria's Commission for Museums and Monuments, said it marked a major setback in efforts to repatriate antiquities from abroad. As much as 90% of African art is currently outside the continent, much of it obtained in distinctly murky circumstances. France's president, Emmanuel Macron, has pledged to return dozens of artefacts to former colonies. The British Museum is under growing pressure to return looted art. That kind of pressure is likely only to mount. Dog years, accurately ageing pooches. To convert a dog's age to its human equivalent, the rule of thumb has long suggested multiplying by seven. But dogs can have puppies when they are nine months old, which hardly corresponds to humans' reproductive age. Now, scientists reporting in Cell Systems, a journal have developed a more accurate way to age dogs using epigenetics, or the study of how genes are switched on and off by chemicals. Researchers analysed the epigenetics of 104 Labradors aged between 0 and 16 years old and cross-referenced mouse and human data to create a new scale. It is non-linear. A one-year-old dog is 30 years old in human years, but a four-year-old is 52. Dogs age rapidly compared with humans in early life, spending just 18 months in adolescence. After around seven years of life, their ageing slows. The findings serve as a reminder of how humans' extended childhoods are somewhat anomalous compared with other species. Four no more. Golf without crowds. Many professional athletes have lamented bans on live spectators during the pandemic. Rafael Nadal has complained that tennis loses almost everything without cheering fans. For professional golfers, however, empty fairways appear to help. The three PGA tournaments that have taken place behind closed doors since the beginning of the pandemic have seen a surfeit of birdies. Players who competed in those tournaments for the past two years scored on average 1.2 shots lower per 18-hole round this year. Lower scores are better, according to Pro Golf Now, a golf blog. It is unclear why. Playing conditions or the players themselves could have improved, but some attribute it to a lack of crowds. It's easier to just be zoned in on pure golf, Jordan Spieth, a former world number one, has said. Some golfers will undoubtedly miss the public at the PGA's latest round in Michigan, which started on Thursday, but the peace and quiet will suit others to a tee. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Thomas Jefferson, who died on this day in 1826. Honesty is the first chapter of the Book of Wisdom.